Carl Taya Ramirez with my brother Romeo. Hello, hello, Kamusta, Kababayan, and everybody else listening. This is our episode on the meals and Katbalogan. So we had mentioned earlier that we wanted to get into our mom's side of the family and we were what apt place to start with Katbalogan because that is where our maternal grandparents are from and that's where our mother Maria Lucia Tayag Niel Tayag grew up. So why don't we start with our grandfather or should we start with the place? What do you uh, think, John? It's up to you. Okay. So I wanted to start with with Katbalogan because it is a very special place. It's actually where both of us were also born. Um, our brother Ringo actually was born in Manila, but we were both born in the in the province of Katbalogan in Samar. Katbalogan being the capital of Samar, and it is a uh, well, it's it's a small place. It's a its main industry still is uh, the fishing industry, and. Um, Oh my gosh, the church, yes, St. Bartholomew was constructed in the early 1600, I think it was 1618. That is the patron saint of Katbalogan. Uh, Katbalogan is a very spiritual, religious place. Um, and our spirituality, and I would say our calmness, our trait comes from from our male side of the family. Um, and I do appreciate that. I remember our grandfather, Juan C. Miel, Juan Cinco Miel, he used to be busy painting, um, doing uh, all these things for the church. I knew he was the principal of Katbalogan High School. He had seven children our mother being the second oldest daughter. There was Chris and Linda. Then there was one, so Uncle Johnny. Uh, afterwards, there was Uncle Romy. Then our mom, I think our mom was the fourth, right? And then Auntie, um, Auntie Lani, Auntie Giselle. So Leilani, Giselle, and Uncle um, Adonis. Right, that's seven, Johnji. Yeah, that's all of them. And, yeah, like you said, um, yeah, going back on yeah. So Lolo's used to be it used to be called Sacred Heart College, was that? So, but now it's called Saint Mary's College of Katpalogan. So when I went back, I was wondering why the name was different, but yeah, but now it's called um, Saint Mary's College of Katpalogan, but it was Sacred Heart College. Um, like you said, the school started in, it was a, um, started in 1929 and most of the students considered called the Marian students, but they were considered Marian students for, because it was after the, uh, Marian Ignacian identity values of the most vulnerable mother, Ignacia del Espiritu, uh, Santo, St. Mary's College of Catpalogan. So, 
But yeah, you said when Lola was there, it was called Sacred Heart because I remember Uncle Johnny would always talk about like, especially I remember he talked about it during Lola's um, when he died at the um, what do you call this at the reading? Oh yes, so he, when he was you you utilizing Lola. Sorry, I can't speak. Apologize for that. Um, yes, our grandparents were very religious. Our Lolo, once Cinco Miel, was the youngest of three children. And um, actually, he had, you said he had a sister that I did not know about. Yeah, so I was talking to dad and mom um, as far as the details, but um, I haven't had the chance because I really want to talk to Uncle Johnny because besides mom, Uncle Johnny would has more knowledge about you know Lolo's background but I know he's got four siblings and one of them died in a he drowned one of the 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 brother the brother because he's got two sisters Lolo's the youngest and I believe the 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 brother is the one who um he's the one who drowned from what Lolo told me and what mom confirmed oh I know that his father died so Lolo's father died and Lolo's father was actually from Spain. Um, and then his mother remarried after, I mean, not soon after, but years later. So our great grandmother was a widow. Um, and then she got remarried. And she was from the Cinco side of the family. I mean, that's, she, that's her maiden name. And According to family history, they have a lot of, they, they were a landed people, and that's how they had land in Katbalogan. Uh, Lolo and his brothers were very, I mean, they were well-educated. Um, and actually, his nephew, Denko Emil, is a celebrated cartoonist who is living in Singapore right now. Um, yes, and they still have a house in Katbalogan, which we both had visited recently, uh, but separately, because I went during, in, in the spring around April, actually during, during, uh, Easter and the Holy Week, which was something because I forgot how religious, Katbalogan-ness, and it was so inspiring. Uh, the whole town shuts down and celebrates and goes to church, uh, pays penance. But I remember when we were growing up, we witnessed that. And I remember when we were very young, when we were living with Lola and Lolo, one of the things I'll always remember is Lolo's uh, hand-painted uh nativity set that it wasn't just one or it wasn't just like five pieces but it was a whole range of set that it covered a like a kitchen table and he would decorate it and it was precious to him and a lot of it a lot of the pieces came all the way from Spain and it was handed down for generations and I remember you broke some of them do you remember that? Yeah it was during uh, I think Lolo was he he built this manger scene, and I think, from what Nani told me, uh, I broke uh, a few of the pieces there. So, yep, um, yeah, and like 
going yeah and just a little fun fact about like you said with with Katbalogan uh for the history buff it was originally spelled Katbalogan's uh K C A T B A L O A G A N right now but it was originally K as in kilo A T B A L A U G A U N um and it was they said it was organized by the priests of the Jesuit Order Society of Jesus in October 1596, by when it was uh, colonized by the when 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 that when the you know Catholicism was introduced by the Spanish through Spanish colonization. That's right. And Saint Bartholomew the Apostle Church was built actually it was 1616. And it didn't assume its present form until 1814, which is incredible because here, here in the United States, uh, we can't name that many churches, Catholic churches that was uh, that was built in 1616, yeah. with the exception of San Augustine in Florida, the, one of the oldest church, Catholic churches in mainland America. Yeah, and that's what I, I like. Even going back, I mean, even like, even that uh, we le I left very young, and my memories of there going, living there. But that that that's what did stand out was the, um, the religious because they still. When I went back recently, they still had processions, like kids walking the streets at night, and even, even as a youth, when I remember going with Lolo early in the morning, just just going to church. Um, and I think back then too, they didn't really have the electricity and the infrastructure built. And even now, when I went back, the churches, like you said, the, even the churches in general in the Philippines, there's so, even though they may seem like archaic and older, but they see the, the architecture and artwork is just something about it. It's just like going like Italy or Rome, looking at those churches as compared to the what that you know any like first world country with the churches the new churches you know the churches in the philippines especially in katalogan since it's an older smaller town it seems like this i don't even know how to describe it you you can just feel you know you can just feel the 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 i don't even want to say spirits but you can just feel the energy the devotion yeah and there's so much energy in it you know yes the devotion i remember that um everybody is 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 it's a communal thing to go to church to pray the rosary. I remember that's where we got it from. Was from Lola and Lolo, um, of course, Mom, because she's always playing the praying the rosary. And Lolo spent a lot of his free time helping out with the church through his paintings, through his choreography. I do remember that. He one of the fondest memories I had was when we went to the cultural center in the Philippines where his play was being put on and he was directing, he was choreographing because he is an expert on the the region's dances uh, and everybody looks to him for that. And I remember Lola was saying, because, you know, I remember our paternal grandparents would say that our grandfather so talented and then I mentioned it to Lola and Lola said yes but everything he does for the church is free so that to me is is remarkable and the churches are are um painting in the churches 
adds so much to the life of the of the city because a lot of the people um you know they're that's how they evangelize it reminds me of the time when a lot of the world was a lot of the world was illiterate and they evangelized through the paintings in the churches the stained glass because that's how they would tell the stories the reliefs and that tradition is still passed on in the philippines particularly in the provinces so paintings in the church is a, a whole new level it's not just for artistic but rather to evangelize and lolo did that with love a lot of his paintings were for the church yeah and speaking of lolo's artwork and you can actually um if you go to facebook besides like you said the ccp in manila cultural uh, center of philippines now some of his works have been like also it's on facebook it's called the the local collection by Juan C. Mel. it's uh it like he has it's it's about like the folk dances and cultures like also the p a n d a n g y a d o pandagyado it's like uh it's an old traditional dance from samar so lolo wrote a lot of like a it's couple it's a it's it's a it's a, a couple dance which became very popular in western samar during the latter part of the spanish regime so lolo did you can see his stuff on facebook it's called the local connection Oh, oh, I didn't up. even know that. Oh, yeah. I'm not really on Facebook. Hardly. Yeah, you can, well, you don't. You can just look it up, and it'll pop up on. You know, because when I was researching his stuff, and I guess someone, someone uh, digitized a lot of his stuff. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so we it, have to get that connection so I could put it on Instagram. People can see yeah. his artwork. Yeah, it's, um, called, it's under summer folk dances, and then it'll say author Juan C. Miel. I don't know, yeah. and you can just see it. Yeah. Yeah, because Lolo is known in Samar as um, as the historian, especially of the local culture. The he is an expert on the local dance, and he catalog cataloged it. And I remember he does have a book on it. He has a book on the dances um, of Samar, and in Samar, actually, I wanted to mention that they have another dialect. It's, it, I mean, they do speak Tagalog and they speak a bit of English, but the local dialect is called Warai Warai. And Johnji and I could still understand it a bit because we grew up there for three or four years, five years, I at least five, Johnji four. And of course they spoke to us in Warai. Yeah, I mean, the words like, you know, Malabarini, that's, that's, that's you. This, Lolo yeah, used to always say that about you. Yeah, so that means this this guy is like um not so much in a playful way, he's naughty that I'm I'm very restless. So yeah, mischievous. I guess that would be the word mischievous. <laughs> yeah, so he said Malaba Irini. Or or they'll say ini. So that means that's good. That that was never me, but you'd hear my mom and her sisters when they compare jewelry or whatever. Especially jewelry, they could tell ma 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 uh, ma upayini, which means this is nice, this is good quality, or this is good. Yeah, that's the thing too. When we were growing up, um, you know, jewelry, as in most Asia, I found out, is not just for show of, you know, for vanity, but it's actually 
in case of emergencies, they have something that they could trade for. Yeah, uh, it's a commodity. Yeah, that's why I found out. Like my mom, she was just just not to get away. But yeah, that's the thing in in Asia. It's almost like like in America, they consider three things that are uh, that will never depreciate in value: land, guns, and gold. And that's what it is in America. In most places, Philippines, like jewelry, gold, like obviously gold, but no one really cares that much gold or land. And it's and it's still the same. It's just still the same theory, which is, you know, my mom, when she started bartering, you know, jewelry, then she used the jewelry for land. And now, you know, she's got, which is fortunate for her, she's got land in 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 Samar and then in the, she used the jewelry. So it wasn't like you said, when people think it's, it's the jewelry is not so much so much for like, you know, a show of status, but it's also like you. It's almost like just like in anything else, even to this day, you can use it as a form of currency, you know? Yeah, it's it's security. It's a form yeah. of security because everything else comes and goes, especially in a place like the Philippines where there were so many, there were a few changes of regimes and then um, the currency goes up and down. At least you have the land and you have jewelry. And that was the reason that our parents decided to buy in the suburbs instead of in the city for the same price because they wanted to have land, especially our dad who said, no, we need to have land because then we can, you know, it's ours and we could build upon it. It's that notion. And I know people who have come outside, I mean, come from outside, they come to the United States to see so much land and they prefer land because it it's it's stable yeah Whereas... and like you said even to this day even when i went back to the philippines land is, is it's become scarce as a commodity that's why also i noticed with the philippines you still get a, a lot of foreign uh like koreans the chinese mostly koreans now from out here they're buying off land over there now even though technically you're supposed to be a a citizen but you know you know, anything, especially in the Philippines and most third world countries, if you got cash is king. So if you can afford land, you can find a way to get the land. And even in, in, in summer, when I went back, it seems like it's funny you're talking about that. And I talked to a few people in summer because I looked at the industry. It's changing because you're talking about with the fishing. So what's happening now in summer, especially off the coastal area, they're doing what they call a... Um, uh, a, a, a project through Marcos and through continuing what the former president Duterte was doing. So they're taking a lot of gravel and stones and they're filling areas on the shore. So now oh, landfill. they're doing a lot of landfill to build a road, but now that's destroying the, the ecosystem. So the people who do the the shellfish and the fishing, it's, it's, it's killing the um, ecosystem. So that in turn, it, it'll start destroying the, um, the industry there for the, the fishermen. Because I even heard a lot of the Chinese, the foreign Chinese boats have come in there and they've done like almost what they consider um, the netting. They also have done, I don't know if they've done the explosives yet where they can just mass collect all the fishing with their big boats. So that's also destroying the, uh, the in, you know, the, the local jobs for this, the smaller uh the smaller fishermen, fishermen boats. So it's, it, I mean, it happens though, but Samar looks like 
the way it's set up is like what we're talking about. If you think about Katmalogan, it's actually even though it's the capital, it's the the least um, it's the least developed compared to Kalbayog, which is a big city, and, and Takloban, and Takloban, which has the main airport and a lot of the the Japanese investors are. So it's a bigger city, but Katmalogan, it seems like it's. I don't want to say it's getting me left behind, but uh, but I think it's going to be the last frontier now. And unfortunately, but like I said, the way the people are, like you said, through religion, and it's just a small town. It's nice because when I talk to the cousins, and you could see even by the way people maneuver there and the way they treat each other, it's still home. It's still a, like a small village mentality. Yeah, no, people are very, very nice and hospitable. Uh, I mean, the place, if if you get a sense, it's 100,000 uh, inhabitants. It looks really crowded. Uh, it's all, They're all concentrated by the water, of course, because that's where the main industry is in the city. And the main transportation is a tricycle. So, of course, you can walk everywhere. It's a small place to walk. But there is a lot of land. When you go out, you see all the greenery. And then you go up into um, the high Yeah, there's a lot. But what, it's just the, the development part. And where the work is, it's, it's really it's central. Yes, and unfortunately, um, and fortunately, it, it's a bit isolated from, like, it took two or three hours from Tacloban when we flew in. And the roads weren't that great. Normally, it should have only taken us less than an hour. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it was a two-hour land, yeah, land trip to go to Tacloban. And because of the, the way um, deforestation, uh, the, the nets also see the, the ruin of the eco, some of the ecosystem in, in Katbalogan, a lot of the storms passes through Katbalogan, unfortunately, and a lot of the natural disasters go through there. And in spite of that, people, everybody are still, people are still always smiling and welcoming. And I remember they would always ask us to go and have dinner here, have a lunch there, and they would give you their best. And you know, deep inside you're looking around you're like well they can't really afford this but that's just so generous they're very very generous and yeah. they they seem to be always so optimistic yeah i mean for like for a population of like 106,440 people i mean that that was the last consensus in 2020 but it's probably grown but i think like it's like you said the lower part is that's where it's all congested that's where the fishing industry is, that's where the market is. But as you go higher, I've noticed now, I was talking to, like, again, I was just kind of studying the how, how it's different. So the higher you go, so you'll have new restaurants, and the further you go higher, they're building what they call, um, it's called Sky City. So Sky City, that's more for, like, I guess, the, the well-to-do investors. There are, there are people investing money back into Katbaloganda, people who left and went to um, Canada, America, Australia, and other foreign countries. But they're give, they are giving back, and, but they're buying, like, they're developing the upper parts. Um, like I said, they have Sky City up there, and they have all these restaurants, what they consider the new Antipolo, which is, like, 
um, like restaurants that are on, on the top of the mountain that overlook the city, which is nice at night. And they're even building this. And a lot of people are complaining. They're, they're building this sports complex. It's going to be like a very like high end sports complex. And that's why the some of the local people, they are complaining because the bottom the, the the infrastructure with the streets and the lights you can see they're not developed but you can all literally like see like two different parallel like differences if you ever go back there because like i said the upper parts they're building is called sky city which is going to be like uh a uh gated community which is going to be a master plan community and they already have hospitals up there so the hospital is called doctors of uh i think it's and they're these hospitals are private hospitals up there. They almost look like first world hospitals. And then you go back down to Samar, then you got the public hospitals from which I heard like one guy who I was training with, um, he told me, yeah, some of these hospitals here, they're so under like underfunded. They, they got uh, low budget and their resources are very limited. And he told me like with the sad part is a lot of like babies, the mortality rate is high still to this day because because i think you even told me one of our cousins she couldn't afford the regular oxygen so she had to pump it without manual pump for her child yes when um her child oh it was heartbreaking so when her one of her child um one of her children went to icu and they require payment a friend of course she couldn't yeah she she couldn't afford it so they offered her okay to pump oxygen you have to pump it yourself and she took turns with her husband with her other cousin and until you know she got her daughter got enough oxygen and she was off of the ventilator so it's it's that um it's just unfortunate um and you you think about our healthcare system and how good we have it that we have these if you can't afford it you could still go because there, there, there are help, but yes. But in spite of that, um, she, I'm not even going to name her. She is just one of the most, she, she seems like one of the most happiest people in the world. And she goes to church and she just lays it out there to, to God. And she talks about how blessed she feels despite what she went through and her family went through. Yeah, And, and that's, that's, that's a, that's, I think that's in itself, like like you said, you speak about the uh, the two fundamental things that I do see, even in, especially in the Philippines. I mean, what you lack, you learn to focus more on religion and education and hard work. I mean, because sometimes when you're like, because I've been like in different parts of the world too, like when you see, and that's a universal thing as people talk about when they come from like India, same things about religion, hard work and education. And that's why, it does transfer over. I think with Filipinos, no matter where they go, like the OFWs. So OFWs, obviously, uh, that that's their version, like, you know, Filipinos going overseas. So, I mean, no matter where you land a Filipino, like, you know, if they have the religion, they have the education and the hard work, they'll be fine. And I think that's, and, and Katbalogan, you know, it's just an example of like a, one of the many places in the Philippines. But yeah, like you said, in Katbalogan, even when I went back there, like I, we got, I've got, I met cousins who I didn't even know they're so humble. Like once um, OBGYN, she's a doctor. She travels from Katbalogan to, to uh, Tacloban. 
and her brother is a lawyer and the other brother just became a lawyer. And like you wouldn't know if you, if you if you just looked at them, you know, offhand, they're just so humble. But yeah, that's uh, Uncle Bull's kids. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, you could tell from our grandparents, Lola and Lolo. Lola came from uh, another part, which is the Gintarkan, a small island. And Lolo met Lola during World War II when he, you know, they were evacuated there. That's how they met. Um, and then Lolo, you know, signed up to help with the military. This is World War II, so he also served. But that's how they met in Gintarkan. I didn't get a chance to go to Gintarkan because the, the tides were t- uh, were unpredictable and they were afraid that, you know, the boat might overturn as I'm crossing to go over there. Uh, that's where our Auntie Dulia lived and she came to mainland, which is Katbalogan, to say hello. And we wanted to say thank you to her, a special shout out to her as she took care of us for, you know, for the first seven, eight years of our lives there, aside from Lola and Lolo and Nanai. You can't forget Nanai, Priscilinda, mom's oldest oldest sister. Well, our mom, which she doesn't mind, no, I mean, telling people, she was a bit busy with her social life playing mahjong. And that's another form of, um, what do you call this? Uh, another way to pass time that's very popular in Katbalogan, because you know back then they didn't have the internet, they didn't have, they weren't really into the TV. Uh, so the pass away the time was playing mahjong, and I remember she played hours and hours and hours of it. So, so yeah, she was got she got caught up in that while our dad was living in the U.S., sending money, and he was establishing um, a life there for us, getting ready to bring us there. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, too, is, like, people don't know. Like, so when dad was in America, so, like I said, mom, she actually, like, threw the jewelry, and, and uh, she went back to Katbalog, and so she threw her jewelry, because she actually, the story is... Um, Papang's one of his brothers or something like that. Uh, so she started doing the jewelry thing. That's the thing she also she did with the uh, mahjong as she met people. That's also a way to socialize and meet people. So she was using the jewelry that she got on consignment. Um, she uses the jewelry to get the consignment to uh, to sell jewelry to people during her mahjong. And then she was using the money off the consignment to buy land. And that's what she was also provided while dad was in America. So yeah, that was the part people forget. Like, um, she was—that's how she's got all her land now, and it's all the jewelry it was through consignment that she got through Papang's uh, relative. I forgot his name. I'll have to talk to mom. So she was using all that jewelry. She she got the jewelry from Papang's relative. She used it for consignment to get money, and the money she used for the land, and also you know for us while that was also in America. Because you got to remember that it was always sending money through Mama, and sometimes realistically it would go through mom and then whatever was left over to mom you know right um so you have to also remember mom also was into 
mahjong since she was young remember her, yeah. her sisters and her and lola and lola told us because she was actually named after her grand aunt the sister of lolo's um oh actually no she was named after her great her grandmother lolo's mom maria lucia but the sister of maria lucia the the grandmother she had a lot of land because she was a cinco. Like I said, the cincos were had land. And from the rent that she collected, she gave it to mom. So even her aunts, I mean, our aunts and our grandparents had told us that, that our mom had disposable income because she used to get money from, from uh, Lola. Um, Dolores, Lola yeah, that's one, aunt. yeah, and, and guess, yeah. that's how she started playing mahjong. And actually, she got into uh, the, her connections, like you said, was through mahjong because she was able to play mahjong. And then uh, some of the land that she has actually came from them, from her. So when she had passed away, she willed it to our mm. mom. And that's how mom got um, most of her land. And maybe, yeah, you're right. She bought and sold her jewelry so she can acquire more land. But yeah. the bulk of her land came from uh, from Lo Dolores Cinco, who yes. never married and never had a child and kind of adopted our mom. And yeah. even mom said that whenever there were chores because our lola was very strict about chores her grand her grand aunt would say no no no, i'm going to take over lucia's chores so <laughs> that she could go out there and play <laughs> and remember there was also shortage of food but lola dolores would always make sure lucia little lucia that's our mom, Maria Lucia, would have an egg. And what mo what's more um, luxurious was she would have a can of Coke each day. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then her, uh, her sisters would ask, can we get a sip just to get a taste? And she'd be like, well, I don't know. What will you trade me? <laughs> mom used to tell me that. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. That means that's where I get that's good though. At least mom, like she was taught how to, uh, the business sense, you know, I mean, she carries it till this day, you know I mean? She's still like, you know, that's why people forget she's got land and she learned to do things with the money and the land, you know, which is, yeah, it's funny. Cause when I went back to the, that's the first place we went, you know, she goes, this is the first place I go. Actually, I don't know if she went with you all the way to the top to visit, to visit her aunt, the one who, who helped her get the land and everything. So we it was a very nice um, cemetery. Did you get to go there with mom? Yes, because we went there. We had it redone, you know, repainted. But each year she goes there to make sure it's clean. Uh, there's flowers. There's candles. Yeah, no, she's she's she still pays tribute um, and honor to her grand aunt Dolores Cinco. So, and then there was a tomb. Did you see the mausoleum? Uh, yeah. Because on the, on yeah. the uh, left, on the right side, as you're going up the hill. 
before you get to the tomb. And I remember she would task Renan to make sure that it's, you know, the, the names are painted, the, her name is painted right, and there'll be candles. Um, no, no, mom is very caring. She takes care of the people around her. She's very generous. And of course, she got that from our Lola and Lolo. And I've never seen Lola and Lolo angry. They were always smiling and caring. Hardly oh, did I ever I did. see them, <laughs> except you, Johnji, when you tried. <laughs> I think that was the last, the first time. Yeah, Lola, but but yeah, I I still remember. Um, I told Lolo, Lola, and I don't know if you remember because I always remember when I was a kid. Because like I said, when it was all made out of wood and straw and the vase, you know, where you had to put water, there was a second floor. And I was always on the Banig. And then Lola would always tell me the story about the uh, the monkey and the turtle. So I don't know if you remember. I still remember that story. No. Why don't you tell us that story? So it's basically this monkey and this turtle were stuck on this 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 um, this um small island. And the uh, monkey always harassed the, the, the turtle. And the turtle said, how can I get this guy? And he's always eating his food. So one day the turtle took the coconut tree pulled it down, tied it, and he told the monkey, uh, hey, let's play a game. You sit on this this um, this tree, and then and then he, he tricked him to get on the tree because he told the, the, the monkey, oh, this is a nice tree. It's my bed. This that's what the, Obviously, the monkey who took everything of the turtle got on it. So he said, now it's mine. And then he cut the rope, and the, the, tur the monkey flew off to the other island. So the turtle got kept the island to himself after that. Oh, I do remember that story from Lola now. I yeah, it's called the Ungoy and what do you call this? Ungoy and and what's a Tagalog word, see? I forgot. Uh, so, I think he said tortoise. Yeah, something like Pagong. Pagong, Pag that's oh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, Lola, I always smiling. The only time he got angry, I remember, is when you broke, you know, you disturbed his nativity set. Ang labad itong batang ito. No, but, Lola, but yeah, that's what I do remember. Lola and Lola, every morning, Lola would be at the edge of the bed. Probably all our cousins could attest. He'd be on the edge of the bed just praying, you know, meditatively. So same thing. I mean, they've always did that morning, afternoon, and evening. And mom does that same thing, you know. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, that's what I, I've, I've learned to do that. Because it does help with starting the new day is by just the beauty of the rosary and the beauty of prayer. And the things that I've uh, tried to do is whenever I'm in a new city, when I'm visiting, I go to the church. And because of Lolo, I have the love of the church and the architecture. And I look at their stained glass windows and their, their um, paintings, um, the paintings and the reliefs. And I think of Lolo, because I remember he visited me once in France with, of course, Lolo, with mom and dad. And we went, and Uncle Johnny and Auntie Dory, we went around Paris, and then we went to uh, Chartres. We, you know, we we did all these uh, pilgrimages, and he was just taking it in. He loved the, he loved the the beauty of the churches, and I believe that's where I got it from. 
and just that what a gift that they gave that to us you and I because I know you're spiritual and religious and so am I and that's where we get our sense of peace our sense of joy because it's from that um, and I guess we are Katbulganos because we have all the qualification of it somewhat well we were born there I mean that's why when the, the, when I was there in Samar, like I tell the people, I goes, yeah, I was born over here. And, and then I was probably born in the time looking at the pictures, like, you know, and I know RC has pictures over there too, our cousin and Ringo. And like you said, I do remember going to the well when you had to get the water, getting getting like a, a shave, like, you know, ice with, from a block of ice there when it, you know, when it before it becomes, became super industrialized. Because, you know, I, and back then, too, when it wasn't like, you know, especially probably the streetlights weren't fully developed, you know, because even now to, to this day, like I said, because the way things are in Katbalogan, I mean, even though people, like I said, the infrastructure is still sub, uh, subpar compared to other places. Well, compared to its neighboring areas, like you said, I told you in uh, Kalbayog and um, Takloban, even though, like you said, Katbalogan is still the capital. But if you look on YouTube, we the downtown area is nice. It's called like the Lights of Katpalogan, you know, it's lit up in the downtown area, but you know, it's it's totally different during the day. It's like you said, busy at night. It's like you can eat at some small restaurant, the city hall. I don't know if you took a, a walk through the city hall at night over there by Melda Park. You know, that's where all the college kids hang out. Families still hang out there. So People still, you know, have a family, like, it's like a family-oriented uh, area over there still. Oh, yes. We forget, we forgot to mention that Katbalogan is part of Samar and Lete, and that is where uh, former First Lady and currently the mother of the President, uh, Imelda Marcus, Romaldus Marcus is from. So before you get to Katbalogan and you land into Takloban, you will see reminiscence of her family, the Romaldus family. And there is this one church that, or this chapel or adoration that she had built. And nobody for the longest time can go into it except for her. Uh, this was during the time that when her husband was in office. It's really a shame. And so when the dictatorship toppled, toppled all, the, all the people went into there trying to see what was, you know, just to show disrespect to her. But, of course, they respected that it was a, a, uh, a church or a chapel. And, um, but, yeah, she had uh, this this church built and she alone and maybe her family can go into it. So she had it built for vanity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so vanity. it wasn't for, yeah, the lady with a thousand plus shoes. <laughs> yes. So yes, Imelda Marcus comes from, we forgot to mention, the town next, I mean, literally the town next door. Uh, yeah. Taklovan. Yeah, so. like you said, you could you could see the disparity. I mean, I mean, like I said, if you ever go to Katbalogan, it's it's a smaller community. Uh, the people are more simple. But like you said, don't get it confused because, you know, it's it's full of a lot of educated people. 
I guess it's, you know, it produces a lot of lawyers, teachers. Uh, I'm not sure about the nurses, but, you know, hardworking people because a lot of them, you know, what well nurses too our uh our aunts came from there yeah so yeah three of our aunts um auntie dory well no she's from kalbayag sorry uh and you know our mom's sisters they were both nurses yes and that's how they got to canada yeah because even even, uh the summer college now has gotten bigger so summer college over there so it's pretty big it's uh and as far as and you still do feel safe because like I said from my observation that you got you got what they call the eighth army out there. So there's a military installation no more than like uh probably two kilometers from the town. And then you also got the SAF forces. They're uh, a special unit for like the police. They're out there. Number one being because of the um the the prior rebel groups in what they call the new people's army that that still they say it lurks up in the mountain but they're they're least they're 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 less of freedom fighters more of extortionists now well actually when you since you said the military i we forgot to mention that in the middle of um samar in the park there's an obelisk there and it's to commemorate the 1901 balingiga encounter which the local revolutionary inflicted the worst single defeat of the Americans during the Philippine-American War of 1899 to 1902. And it also commemorates the Agustin Somoroy rebellion in Palagpag against the Spaniards. So that was, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of of which, it's called um, the March Across Samar, which was led by or Waller's march across the island of Samar, which was was a failed attempt by the U.S. Marine in 1901, where they try to, uh, you know, take over parts of Samar. So I guess, yeah, they that's said, it. Yeah, they said two two thousand to two thousand twenty five hundred victims, almost up to five thousand Filipinos were were killed by U.S. by U.S. Uh, military forces. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. But they did, um, but they did defeat the Americans at that time. Um, Yeah, in 1901. So that obelisk is, you know, depicts that event. So the four major events. So the Balingiga encounter, which you talked about, the 1649 Agustin Somoroy rebellion uh, against the Spaniards. And then the arrival of the Jesuits, first Jesuits in 1596, and the Queen Isabella of two, Spain carrying the royal decree, 1841, declaring Samar as an independent province. So that obelisk represents those four things in the middle of Samar. But that that, that does remind, like we're talking about Lolo. So, so the people of Samar, especially even even Katbalogan, they've seen a lot of like war. So maybe that's also another reason, a lot of conflict, a lot of hardship. So that's another reason a lot of them were uh, have sustained themselves through religion. You have to have a lot of faith in conflict, especially, you know, as much as conflict they've seen, uh, especially yes. in those areas. And that's why you said Lolo, 
especially also during that time when the Japanese came, uh, maybe it was during the Battle of Samar, during 1944 of October 25, where a, lo a lot of them feared the Japanese were coming of the, uh, the the conflict with the Japanese. So they went. That's where he met Lola, right over in Gintarkan. Uh, Gintarkan. Yes. Uh -huh. But that, but that's just crazy how we're talking about like you know during that time people just have to pack up, take all your kids you know, or just pack up and then get on a boat and hide somewhere you know, crazy things going on, and like you said that's the only thing you have the religion, and then just 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 your will to to not only survive but your your faith to just just to endure. Yeah, to help you endure all of that. And Lola, I will never forget. So I was with Lola um, in her last hours. I'd ask her, I said, you know, do you miss um, being back? Because she at that time, they've already been living in Toronto. And he said, you know, I never really wanted to go to Canada. I wanted to stay in, in Gintarkan in Samar. And it just shows you. And she's always been close to her to the people, to her relatives and to everybody here that's close to her in, in Samar, especially Ginterkan. Um, she was just an island girl who loved being there and didn't care for all the glitz and glamour of the city or living abroad. So she said, yeah, I'm just, I would have just been happy if we had just stayed in Ginterkan or in Katbalogan. Yeah, even when I spent a few days there, I realized when I first got there, I was like, oh, it's like nothing was developed, you know, at night. It's like, you know, when I got there at night and then you spend a little bit more time, you just see past, past, you know, not the, you see past the aesthetics, you know, the mental aesthetics that you're used to. And then you start seeing, you know, how simple it is, the people, the way they are. Plus, it's a step back. It's almost like detoxing from like like all this technology, even though the technology is there, right? But they're just taking a step back and see, seeing the view of the water, how simple the people are, even just the, the layout, you know? It brings you back to, like, simplicity. Now you, you think sometimes with a clear mind with less less distraction in your head. That's right. And it always brings back to the relationship. Your friends, your family, your roots, and, of course, going back to God. And yeah. that's what uh, Lola and Lolo <laughs> cherish the most, especially Lolo. So I think yeah. the next podcast, we should talk about Ginter Khan and Lola and uh, our relatives more. It's, it, it's funny how you're talking about when I got there with my mom, because we're going to go to church. So I went to church. There, so it's my I got introduced to the real like the Katbalogan church. So I got there. I was so tired from the trip. So I'm sitting there. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be fast. So the, all the ladies are doing the um, rosary. So they did the rosary in, I think, in um, in Warai. Then all of a sudden they did the rosary in in Tagalog. So it was double the time. Then all of a sudden the priest, he did the, uh, he also did it in uh, Latin, which I was surprised. So I spent like two and a half hours there, but no, I wasn't just used to it though. But that's like, and I was so tired from the trip, but I, I didn't realize they also knew Latin. Oh yeah, because that's that was the official language of the church for the longest time. Yeah, so it's and good. This is what I, it is it was Latin. It's like wow, it was well, yeah, it was mind blowing. Was yeah, good. oh wow, that that would be mind blowing to say it in what I Tagalog and Latin. 
Like, where yeah. did that come from? That was the longest rosary. It's like, oh, but it was a, uh, it was good. And then actually, the, yeah, that 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 church is nice. I think that was when you, mom and dad were talking about that Lola did. It's a church on Saint Bartholomew. Yes, Saint Bartholomew. Yeah, yeah. So I went there. Um, I think it was Holy Thursday, and we were supposed to do the, or is it Friday? The procession. You have to go to mass first. I remember I got there at. 1230 because I wanted to make sure that at one because it was at I think 12 or 1230 we got there to make sure we had a seat and um, and I did not leave there until like five o'clock because then yeah. the procession started at five but there was there was a mass first and there was another thing and but it was fine you know yeah it's fine uh, it, it just takes you back yeah no when you go back it's nice because you detox from everything and you realize and focus on things that matter, which is your family, your friends. Uh, God, of course, is number one there. And that's the thing. And then if you go there in May, they have all the processions because that's the month when they do the, um, the feast for St. Bartholomew. And then remember, we also have this thing called in Ginter Khan, I forgot, uh, the, uh, you, no, no, it's not the Capalagano. But I remember growing up, we would go to different places in the U.S. or in the East Coast, like New Jersey, yeah. New York, you know, to attend the Capalagano, which means it's the region of the Philippines where they would all the people from Capalagan would gather and they would have a ball. Yeah. And, and it's like you said, I mean, that's another thing that also is, on the side note, that's big in Katbalogan is the basketball and the boxing. I know, like I like I know because I was help training some people there when I was there, and we were just talking about how Katbalogan. Because uh, you got to remember too, Manny Pacquiao is a Visayan, so he boxing is big. So he's so that's a big tradition in the Philippines. The and you got to also remember Lapu Lapu. There's a big warrior community in the Visayan areas because Lapu Lapu was the one who first uh, who was actually killed Magellan. Yes. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So should we wrap this up? Yeah. So next one, we'll talk more about, I'm going to try to get some more information about Lolo. I know we kind of veered, but at least this way we got to talk about Katbalogan. And then, you know, it's main, main, uh, main essence of Katbalogan. So yeah, next time maybe we'll talk about Lolo and Lola. Yes. Thank you everyone for joining us. This is Rochelle. This is John G. Madami salamat. Ingat kayo lahat. Yes, goodbye. Next time, till next time. Next time. Rochelle Tayag Ramirez. I'm here with my brother. Yes, Romeo Tayag. Thank you. Okay. We're doing a podcast on growing up Filipinos in the East Coast. We Filipinos came... are Filipino. Filipino. You said Filipinos. See? <laughs> <laughs>